0: hello and welcome to law the universe and everything i'm your host pacifico soldati this show explores topics from law and business to consciousness spirituality and everything in between we feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life you can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com if you're not familiar with my background i'm a helper parent marketer attorney outlaw certified mediator story brand guide omnist yoga teacher and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and US Army Special Operations Command. Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, the Universe and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of engaging videos. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S Agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Tiffany Moore. After more than 10 years working full-time in the nonprofit world, Tiffany was tired of being restricted on when, how, and where she had to work, so she ventured out on her own. When she first made this decision, she knew she needed a coach to support her in leveraging her unique passions to bring into the entrepreneurial world. She struggled finding direction as she was still fiercely passionate about changing the world, but didn't know how to bridge the gap into the entrepreneurial space. Now she provides guidance to those within the nonprofit world to leverage their passions into working for themselves and becoming humanitarian entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tiffany, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Absolutely. So how did you first get uh, involved in the nonprofit world? And love to hear some of your work in that space.
1: So I knew that I wanted to help the world. I had gone into my undergraduate education originally in psychology, and then I switched to sociology, and I just had this passion inside of me, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So I decided to take a year off before grad school and start my career. So I started a professional job. I was working in the court systems um, in two of the uh, counties in my area, working with alternatives to incarceration and, and those that were at risk for becoming involved in the criminal justice system. And I absolutely loved that work. And I started grad school in a program that really was designed to um, put you on the track of research and becoming a professor um, because i was like okay maybe this is what i'm supposed to do i all the while i was still in this professional career so doing that by day and going to school at night and long story short after graduation i was very burnt out because i was burning the candle at both ends i from undergrad and grad school, like I was working full-time and in school and just, it was exhausting. So it really caught up with me. I still had this passion, but I just was super burnt out. And once you leave school, then you actually have to start paying off those student loans that you uh, acquired while you were in school. And so I was realizing that the full-time position that I was in was not enough to make ends meet, especially when they required you to have a degree, you to have that education, but just to live, it was just too much. And then I started working multiple jobs and then that just made my health worse and like all these other things. But I just, I had this passion for helping the world and helping further human rights to, or not further human rights, but like further, further advancing the rights for those that were oppressed. And so I was trying to figure out the best way to do that.
0: Oh, very cool. And so it seems like your uh, your sort of philosophy is probably like around like conscious capitalism, like trying to bring that sort of nonprofit, save the world ethos into entrepreneurship.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Very cool. So how do you think nonprofit work can prepare people for entrepreneurship?
1: I actually think it goes back to school and really giving people options. I think that nonprofits, I, I had a conversation actually a few months ago with a foundation and the the president of this foundation was saying this is Horrible that we've got these international organizations that are coming in and essentially poaching staff, and there's this huge competition, and we just can't compete. Like, we're already struggling with getting qualified staff, and we're already struggling. And then we've got these other organizations that are coming in that are promising to pay more and that are allowing us to have staff work from home. We just can't compete. And so, that tends to be, in my experience, the mentality of nonprofits are like, this is a competition but it's not the reality that's not what it is it's not a competition it's just offering another way so i actually think that this needs to be taught in school whether that's like when you're actually like in grade school and in high school But also further discussed when you're in college and in university and really saying that there are other options. It doesn't have to just be one way. Nonprofits don't have a monopoly on on saving the world. You can change the world, leverage your passion, change the world, but you can do it on your own terms
0: yeah i totally agree with that i've definitely run into a lot of people over the years where you know very much save the world types but they wanted everyone to do things their way like you had yeah. to work for you had to be a public defender you had to be a legal services aid organization involved with that or something or yeah some other type of nonprofit. it's actually there's mm-hmm. ways to work for the betterment of society and our species and our planet where you can make a profit where you can run a successful business and really we'll have a better world if we do that because if we're just relegating saving the world to nonprofits like which it's probably not going to happen because it's ultimately going to rely largely on charity Mm -hmm. and then you're just actually then fighting against businesses that are not working to save the world like they'll probably just pollute more they'll have bad Mm -hmm. labor standards where it's i think a rising tide raises all ships in this situation if we can make more inroads towards things like conscious capitalism where you can actually have people in the business world being stewards of the environment and of our society, then that's going to be way better so that the nonprofits are not fighting against the negative externalities that all of these different businesses are producing.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, you're so indoctrinated in school with this is how it has to be. I remember when I was in the nonprofit world, like the, whole thing of you're never going to make any money. That's not what you signed up for. That's not why you're doing this kind of work. Like That was the mentality. And any way to get ahead was to advance in the organization that you're at, maybe get a higher position at another organization, but still within that framework or go into the government sector. And it just doesn't have to be like that. So I think really having that conversation in school and not because I, it's just, that's what's hammered into you. And then even more so when you're actually in that world, but just having that other option of there are other ways of doing things. And I think that it's, if we can say that there's been good from the pandemic, I think that whole situation of people having to work from home, it's, shifting people's mindsets and okay, how can we do this? We're reducing overhead. Oh, okay. And it's having people think outside the box. And so I think that now more than ever is the time to really springboard into entrepreneurship. If that's your calling.
0: I love that. Yeah. And I I felt like I experienced that very strongly, like at law school, it was because, oh, there's only a few ways to be a lawyer, and there's mm-hmm. infinite ways to use a law degree. And for myself, I fell in love with marketing in the green tech space while I was in law school. Uh, I was getting a JD MBA, so I had a little like extra time and the combination of mm-hmm. things there, but so I was a little more inclined towards it than most. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just like, oh, like all that matters in the end, is that you have some sort of way of providing for yourself and the life you want, and then just helping people and help and make the world a better place. It doesn't matter if you go into big law or you become a prosecutor or you know a public defender or whatever. It's like whatever you do, just be like a better version of that than you know what you encounter. Just be a better person. There's no, there's nothing about becoming a lawyer that like makes you a good person or a good lawyer. So that's a choice you got to make like every day when you wake up, just like any business person or anyone in any other field and i'm all about showing people the different ways you can actually experience life the different ways you can work whether it's like the future of work that's really like sort of hot buzzword now whether it's things <laughs> like remote work getting rid of facetime for facetime's sake i think that's all really important but we're going to see jobs over the next 10 20 years that like have never existed before and there's going to be so much more opportunity for people to just craft things on their own and just make something happen multiple different disciplines together to make something totally unique and new I think it, it's going to be really fun. And I think it's going to be a lot better for the world in the long run.
1: Absolutely. And there's no shame in wanting to make money so that you can survive. I think that's so. also so much of the conversation of why do you want money? Money is evil. And there you're... Taking your attorney scenario, especially when you're in a public defender, like that's something like there are so many people that are struggling, and and that's who your clients are. And why, like when there's so much strife in the world, why are you trying to gain all this money? You're hurting other people, but that's in reality not what it is. I think that the conversation around money really needs to shift as well. And this is why I I think that this really needs to happen throughout school is that money is not inherently evil it's what you do with money but that's with anything cars are not inherently evil if you drive into uh, a building like that's problematic so it's really shifting those conversations all around
0: Oh, I totally agree. I've been reflecting a lot lately. Just yeah, my own relationship with money and like with a sort of mindsets so I was taught around it as a kid. And it's sort of just like, Oh, money isn't everything and you shouldn't be focused on money. And but then I look like my parents are still working at yeah. 70. And not by choice like Uh I'm the kind of person I cannot imagine ever retiring I would be so bored out of my mind but at the same time I would just want a life where like I can travel the world work from anywhere do whatever I want and still just be helping people because that's like what I like about work and I like making cool new things I like being creative so yeah I couldn't imagine just the people who just you know 65 or whatever just turn it off and they're like okay we're just gonna live off what we have and even if it's a lot of money and even if they get to travel it's just you're just not I don't know. To me, it's just they're not doing anything else. And I would still want to be in the arena, still want to be involved. But I think there's so much that we're still doing to like process old traumas. Obviously, we talk about the pandemic, we talk about the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. But more and more lately, I've realized like, so many of our problems is like, we're still working out the generational trauma of the Great Depression. Like our parents came up raised by people like baby boomers came up raised by people who basically had nothing or they had something and then it was just totally taken away never knew where the next check was coming from never knew where the next meal was coming from and it puts such a huge strain on the mentality around money that you get this like widespread scarcity mindset where it's just oh god like they're really insecure and just always freaking out and there's just not an abundant and like healthy relationship with what money is what money does and what you can do with it and then of course obviously there's there's like rampant inequality now and stuff and it still doesn't mean that we can't make things better for people by improving their relationships with money and so I think there's and it's just not something that's taught in schools we don't even teach personal finance in schools and I think to some degree it's like by design because if you teach those things like it just get actually gives people more freedom and our entire educational system was just Built for people to go work in factories and we haven't updated it in over 100 years. And that's
1: very political too. I think that the squashing of people's knowledge and really understanding about money as just a tool, it's just a vehicle. it's not what has been told for for generations. like it's political because there's power and having, small people stay small because who's going to do all these other jobs and that's just it's it's very frustrating and that's why people like you and me need to really start having these conversations in mass quantity and really reshaping the thought process and having This education really being explained to the younger generations. And it seems it's starting to somewhat happen. The thought process is a little bit different, I'm seeing in the the new generation, but there's still a long way to go. And then there's those of us who didn't grow up with that, but we're not lost causes. And you can shift things, make that life that you love. And there's nothing wrong with wanting what you dream about there's nothing wrong with wanting to travel there's nothing wrong with wanting to work a set number hours a week whether that's 40 whether that's 20 whether that's 10 there's nothing wrong with that you can still contribute you can still do things and you're not hurting someone you got to shift that thought
0: oh i totally agree like really need to like decouple like just human dignity, like with work or something, or even now you see like people just freaking out because there's a quote unquote, employee shortage when it's just people don't want to go back to shitty jobs. And it's like okay, the government's like providing this and they can't keep getting this money from the government if they go back to work and the job sucks. And Mm -hmm. instead of being like, hey, let's make the jobs better. It's just take that money away from them. And it's just, come on, this is ridiculous. And it also makes the implicit argument for something like universal basic income, because we could then just give people that money and then let them still work. And then people would go back and people would take the jobs that they actually like. And then all the other jobs would just be like, you're allowed to work and people are getting money, but people still don't want to work for you. So maybe you need to look internally and see what the differences are there. It's been actually incredible. I used to drive for Lyft a few years back during law school. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, I like met some people, like I met a guy who had worked for probably two years, put 100,000 miles on his vehicle, which basically, you know, completely destroyed any value there was in the vehicle, which is depreciating asset anyways, but you're essentially like running into the ground. And based on the rates, I was like, okay, he couldn't have made more than 50 grand each year, probably gross. And so then you're just like, and that was when I was like, Oh, this is just not this is not sustainable long term, like, it's just going to destroy my car. I'm not gonna make that much money. And then now it's been interesting to see because so many people stopped doing it, that and all the VCs stopped, you know, subsidizing all the rides. So now it's more expensive, but then there's way less of a supply of drivers. And you guys fought so hard to like keep from California to try and keep from becoming, you know, having them be employees instead of independent contractors, which you're absolutely an employee if you're working like rideshare, because they have full control over everything. And it's amazing to me because there, to me, there's like such a huge opportunity there to make a platform that would qualify as like an independent contracting platform where you actually had a choice over taking the rides. You weren't, you could know where someone was going. It's like, because I'd get in and someone would be like, I'd be in Orange County and they'd be like, oh, this is, I'm going to San Diego, it's 80 <laughs> miles away or something. And you're just like, oh, and then you're just like, this would be cool. I need, need the money or whatever. But sometimes you're just like, uh, no, like I have to go do something in an hour and I can't take you to San Diego. There's no way to just restrict those things to be like, hey, I only want to drive within a five mile radius or something like that. And mm-hmm. so it just seems like there's a really unique opportunity there for a lot of like innovation to just disrupt like how rideshare has gotten. Because I, I think on the one hand, I think it should really be like a public utility because of the degree to which it can lower DUIs. Now is one of the main reasons like I kept doing it. Cause it was just like, oh, this is a public service You pick people up. They're just like absolutely wasted. And you're just like, okay, like you're getting home safe. This is a life saved or whatever. And so I think it's actually like really noble work in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but we just don't have a robust economic model to support it long-term without like other intervention and such.
1: I think people are also really scared of what's going to happen if they take these steps too. And I think what you were talking about earlier with people living, listening to their inner voice and really following that, I think that there's a fear from the companies as well of this is crappy work. No one's going to want to do this. You're not following your bliss. That's when you make the biggest impact in the world is when you're listening to that inner voice of this is what you're supposed to do. And yes, it's absolutely terrifying, But that doesn't mean that you should continue to squash it and not follow it because you're going to always be miserable. You're always going to have that void. You're always going to be like, there's something more, there's something more. And this is when people start to fill it with all these other vices like drinking, like all these other issues that become even more problematic for society because you're trying to just get through the day or just get through the week or what have you. And if you are... Living the life that you know you're supposed to be living, and that could be anything. If that your passion is working it to change the world, whether that's from the environmental standpoint, human rights, what have you, as long as you're still following that, then you're going to have a happier existence, and that just make, like uplifts the whole planet. That just makes the world a much better place in and of itself.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And. To me, that's one thing that's like, why can't we just invest in that side of the equation? Right? Like, right. why can't we put people in a position to make that happen? Like, why do we need to give huge tra- tax breaks to like major corporations that just do stock buybacks and stuff when? You could just incentivize local communities to give out you know 10 grand 20 grand 50 grand to like start a new business right i mean mm-hmm. like small businesses are employ the most people nationwide anyways and it's just like you go in it, especially after covid we have a lot more empty storefronts and there's there's certainly going to be like a lot of turnover in that side of things but hey like why don't we just invest back in a small business to take over especially given the massive advantages that have been given to major corporations during covid and just look at like the way that amazon and other services have grown it's just been absolutely staggering within the last like 12 to 18 months when a mom and pop store was forced literally forced to shut down and it just seems so totally backwards from like the way we actually want to go as a country when we could Mm be providing people with a an unbreakable safety net where you then have We want people to take more risks. That's absolutely what we should be encouraging. Most people are risk averse enough as it is. Mm -hmm. We don't need to continue to push that by just, you know, ensuring people are just like living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck or something. And I saw a tweet like, think yesterday or today that was like the phrase like working for a living implicitly is saying that you actually don't deserve to live (laughs) and just like you don't deserve to survive and and it's just such a simple thing to do to ensure people's like basic sustenance that then oh hey everyone's got a billion dollar idea in them. And we should be encouraging that. We should be encouraging people to take risks and open up a business and employ more people. And because a small business is going to hire people faster than a large corporation, just because once you get in there and you start your own business, you're like, oh, I can't do this all myself. Whereas a corporation, they're like, you know, they've, they're already fully loaded. They can do a variety of things to get more out of it. You I mean, you look at Domino's now. I just saw a <laughs> Domino's commercial and they brought back the Noid, which to me, I'm like, but it was because they're doing... Autonomous driving. They're doing autonomous right. pizza delivery, and I was like, "This is a crazy psyop to bring back the Noid to distract from the fact that you're getting rid of delivery drivers." And so I was just like, "Man, that's a hell of an ad campaign." It's uh, yeah, it's a decision. So <laughs> it's, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves.
1: I just I wish that people could understand the the joy at the end and the joy at the end of the fear. And I just know from my own family, I have been telling my family, different family members for as far back as I can remember, why don't you do this as a business? Like, why don't you start your own business? Like, I mean, I specifically, my mom is a fantastic artist. She's a wonderful photographer and she's great with like floral arrangements. And I, I just I remember being a teenager and telling her why don't you do this as a business? Oh, Tiffany, you don't understand. It's not that easy. Actually, it is. I've done it. <laughs> but like back then, it was just you know you don't understand. It's it's not that simple. There's so much involved. That and even having the conversation with my aunt who was laid up when COVID started, and she's still out of work, and she still can't find anything she likes, and she's now in her sixties. She can't retire yet, but. You, you, I've been trying to tell her, I'm like, what do you want to do? Oh, all these things you can do from home. Like, you can work for yourself. You can do this. You can start this business. And you don't have to worry about all these other things because, especially as you get older, like, you're not going to have that energy to be working crazy hours. And she doesn't have an education. And so that just makes things even more complicated. And she's like, I don't understand, Tiffany. Like, I've got to pay for health insurance. Like, But she's not understanding all these other things that there are solutions to all these what you're considering problems. There are solutions and it's not as hard as you think it is, but I think what is also people are running into is they're not seeing the community. They're not having the, which is why I had spoken about my coach. Like I needed a coach to help me with this. You need to have a community of support to help you with, okay, what's your hiccup right now? Oh, okay, I, I this is how I solved it. Or I've got a person, they're fantastic, all these things. And I think that especially in our culture, especially so in the States, it's very individualized and that community aspect is removed. So the fear takes over because there's this thinking that, well, it's just me. I've got to fix it all on my own. I have to have all the solutions and that doesn't have to be the case.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I often see a lot of people like lamenting, like the coaching industry or just being like, Oh, what a waste of money. And it's just like, Are you kidding me? Like, these are as long as you find a good coach, and there's no charlatans there, like any industry, but an excellent coach can just accelerate your own growth and trajectory so significantly. And it's oh, three even one session, like 300 bucks for an hour of their time or something like that. It sounds like a lot of money, but at the same time, it would cost you dozens and dozens of hours. And probably some and probably more than three hundred dollars to get to the same place that you could be in an hour with the right person's time to just be like, Oh, this is how I should structure my business. This should be my business model, the revenue model, this should be how I get new clients. This is but it's I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for a mentor and coach of mine who had you know, was also running a marketing agency and started talking about how he had done that for like lead generation and stuff. And then this is metastasized beyond there into sort of its own thing. But it's it's been a great ride and and great experience. But if I hadn't taken the leap to embrace coaching and mentoring, then it's just I'd just be sitting around my house doing nothing, just trying to make it make ends meet or whatever.
1: And I think the reason why I was really looking for a business coach when I was trying to find this because I saw the improvements in my own life from Uh, life coaching. Like when I had personal huge breakthroughs, we all have our stuff. And I had seen throughout my life, at least a dozen therapists and um, all different types of therapists. They were nice, (laughs) but I really didn't have any progress. And it's just the way that system is for me or others that find benefit in it. But for me, if anything, it actually made this, the whole situation worse. And so I didn't actually have progress until I hired a life coach and I had more breakthroughs and just healing in two months that I'd had in the 30 something years that I had been trying to fix my life. And it was just incredible. And that's where I really found the power in coaching and then that healing. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think other people need to see that as well. But you're right, there are charlatans out there, but there's also (laughs) massive amounts of healing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Tiffany, how is a failure or a parent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure?
1: Oh, I don't like failure. I like learning opportunity. If I could really redo my whole life, I wouldn't. Again, we all have our stuff and we have very low moments and horrible things that may have happened and traumatic experiences, but they were all life lessons. At least that's how I view, view it is really I've learned from that. I wouldn't be the person that i am today and our our parents just did the best they could we we're all just doing the best they we can do with what we know at the time hindsight is twenty twenty. we obviously could do some things different but would you really want to i think all my failures are my favorite failure because i learned something
0: mm, totally so Tiffany, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life?
1: I think I'm finishing up with one book right now, and it's on my coffee table. And that's what I'm looking at, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And it's talking about unlocking your master keys to success by Joseph Murray, and uh, Murphy, sorry. And that really is talking about um, how to reframe things through your unconscious because you have all these stories that you are unconsciously um, perpetuating that are continuing in your life and it's a way of changing them, rewriting the stories, um, just looking at them differently so that you can have success in your life, whether that's personally, professionally, just having that success. So I think that's because I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> that's the book that I'm going to go in.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. This sounds really good. I have to check that out.
1: Yeah, it's a really good book. It's short, too.
0: Excellent. So, Tiffany, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why?
1: Oh, this is a good one. I think... I don't know the exact messaging because I would definitely be wordsmithing this, but it would pretty much be that we are all here together, that we're all here to support one another, that even the differences that we may perceive in one another really are what connect to one another. We're all still human and we're really just going through this journey together of life and we need one another and should support one another. Obviously, that's way too long to put on a billboard, which is why I would need to work with it. But essentially, that's the message. That's the um, feeling that I want people to walk away from or drive away from that, that feeling of empowerment that we're all in this human journey together.
0: Very cool. You could probably fit that all on there with some fine print (laughs) or something. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life?
1: I think going through fear, obviously, there's those moments that are paralyzing, but still pushing through I Actually went skydiving a few years ago. And I just remember sitting on the edge of the airplane. This is in Australia. And the person who is tandem jumping with me, like I obviously they're gonna do everything. I just remember closing my eyes. And it and it's the metaphor for life of just kind of because obviously I'm gonna have to jump, you know. <laughs> but it's like closing my eyes but doing it anyway. So it's yes, this is absolutely terrifying, but there's lesson at the end whether that is what some consider failure or success but the failure those are your lessons too so i think that you just need to pivot a little bit so i think that moving through fear reshifting my mindsets around money i've done a lot of mindset work around money in the past five years and um, just believing in myself because i think that's also not talked about enough in our system and society that all the answers are inside of us we just need to trust our intuition and follow that guidance of whether it's picking up a a book or whether it's looking at a billboard or what have you just trust that guidance within you
0: Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, just believing in yourself and standing in and believing your own power. That's just such a huge thing. We should be teaching children, but instead we just sit down, shut up, be yeah. seen and not heard. And it's we just quash that spirit that's alive in all of us. And that's why we just have a country and a world full of damaged inner children pretending to be adults. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like it just leads to so much like chaos and carnage. And so we could do something totally different. We right. could do it a totally different way. Absolutely. So Tiffany, who have been some of your heroes throughout your life and how do they help or inspire you?
1: I've actually learned not to put too much stock in heroes because they're all human and they all have their own flaws. I've learned that you can completely look up to somebody and then you realize they're human. you talked about parents before, and I remember that moment when I realized my mother was human. That that person that you put on a pedestal, but then you realize, oh, you're just trying to figure this all out, too. I think I look up to those who are doing the best they can. I think that's important. We're all doing the best we can in, in the moment, but really following your path and listening and following what you feel is right, I, I guess, the best way. So that could be anyone.
0: Very cool. Tiffany, what are your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, techniques?
1: So I'm an introvert, so <laughs> I am good. at Just relaxing at home. and not unburdening my mind, but just really thinking through things on my own. And that could be listening to music. That could be art. That could be travel. Maybe not right now. I think just having that time to process, but also Travel is also super huge because you're experiencing something in a new way and it's that p- pattern interruption. When you're going through life just on autopilot of, okay, I wake up at this time, I do this during the day and I go to sleep, and you're not having that disruption to have new ideas and new ways of living your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice. So what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And feel free to take the word investments as broadly as you like.
1: I think investments really, when it comes to yourself, I think there's a lot of shame and guilt around investing in yourself whether that is through someone to guide you like coaches that we were talking about earlier whether that's books whether that is going to a training going to a class any of those things because all these well guilt type thoughts come into our head of this money could go towards fixing the car or Fixing the roof, or all these things like this money could be "quote unquote" best spent somewhere else. When the best investment really is in yourself, and when you start to heal yourself, is when you really start to heal the world.
0: Oh, couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's why like anytime. Yeah, just should you buy this book? Should you not buy this book? You should always buy the book. You know, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> or go to the yeah. library if you prefer. Yeah, you can get it for free. That's fine, but de- yeah, definitely.
0: Wasn't Uh, really a thing you could do in the last year, but. Exactly,
1: very true, very true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, something nobody really talks about. Oh, we just shut down access to all books. (laughs) But yeah, I'd love to know what advice would you give to a, a smart driven college or high school graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice they should ignore?
1: I think they should ignore anyone who tells them that they can't, unless you're going to use that as a motivator. For me, somebody who tells me, you can't do that, like that just fuels me. I think that they should remember to always listen to their own guidance, even if it sounds maybe crazy at the time. (laughs) Like I remember going to grad school and when I was still working that professional position, they're like, why are you going to grad school for that? What are you going to do with that? But I knew in my heart, this was the path for me. And I didn't listen to any of the naysayers. And now that was a springboard for the career that I'm doing right now, that entrepreneurial venture. So listen to yourself, listen to your guidance. And don't listen to the naysayers because they're the ones who are jealous of your ambition and know that you're the ones that are going to change the world. And they're too scared to.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally love that. So how have you found mentors and advisors throughout your career?
1: You know, I think it's really then going back onto intuition when it's just, maybe I should look this up and then it leads to one thing to another thing. I think that's really where it's organically manifested. It's just following my guidance and going from there and listening, hey, you should really work with this person and trusting that because there's nuggets of wisdom in that you can have the hugest breakthroughs by just trusting that this is where I'm supposed to be.
0: Love that. So in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to?
1: I become better at saying no to things that I know I don't want to do. I know for a long time, I'd say the the biggest thing is like in the past year, this has really taken off of things that I'm like, oh, I can do this. It's fine. I'll just get on board. I've realized for my own health issues, that I need to be integral to myself and knowing that, no, I don't want to do this. So just say no, be honest about that. And if it's somebody who really cares, they're going to respect your decision. And if they don't, then, oh, like it is what it is. And you're staying um, true to yourself.
0: Yeah. That's what you got to do. Right. Right. So it's this easier said than done,
1: though.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tiffany, this has been an awesome conversation. It's been great speaking with you, and the time has really flown by, which brings me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you?
1: Oh, I think the kindest thing would be... I can't think of anything specific right now, but I know that those that make the biggest impact are the little things that I think often would be overlooked, whether it's somebody who is walking down the street and smiles at me and when I'm having a horrible day, but they don't know that I'm having a horrible day and that's what you need. To me, those little gestures mean so much more. So I think those are the kindest things that we can do for others and for humanity.
0: Great answer. Thank you again so much for joining me today, Tiffany. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you. You're
0: very welcome. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, specializing in making stunning videos to help you win more customers and look your best online. Visit Prosperitas Agency today to learn more. Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE podcast, or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And If you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the L-U-E podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness.